The previous night had been bad, one of the worst he could remember, so Peterson was not surprised that Lucille was still heavily asleep. He still went quietly into her room, anxious not to disturb her. She lay on her back, mouth open, snoring. She tried to get her dress off, but had become entangled with one strap off the shoulder and the other in place, and then apparently collapsed backwards, unable to bother further. Peterson knew he should have checked when he came home. Had he not been so completely absorbed with the current crisis, he would have done. But it still wasn't a very satisfactory excuse. It rarely had been. Gently, he lifted her legs fully onto the bed and pulled up a sheet to cover her one exposed breast. He realized she was dribbling, and when he turned to the side table for a Kleenex to sponge her chin, he saw that she had upset the glass. He looked down to the carpet, but there was no liquor stain. She stirred at the movement against her face, and he stopped apprehensively. Her makeup was patched and lined, and in her sleep her face had an oddly collapsed look, like a child's coloured balloon the day after the party. Poor Lucille, he thought, poor darling. He paused, turning to put the dirty tissue into the wastebasket, aware for the first time of Paul's graduation picture lying flat upon the side table. It must have been her attempt to stand it there that had upset the empty glass. He picked up the frame, gazing down at the photograph. There had been nothing flaccid or collapsed about her face then. She looked bright and eager and vibrant with happiness and pride. Certainly there had been everything to be proud of that year. His appointment as director confirmed, Paul's graduation magna cum laude, and the vacancy awaiting him in one of Washington's most prestigious law firms, and Beth, still with her teeth in braces, but already showing the roundness of womanhood in her long white dress, promising to be even more academically brilliant than her brother. Two years, he calculated. What had happened? What in God's name had caused them to disintegrate into what they were now? A wife who slept every night in an alcoholic stupor, a cult freak daughter somewhere on a commune refusing to respond to any name but why, and a son who seemed to enjoy the embarrassment he caused as the capital's foremost advocate for decriminalizing the drug legislation and defender of the underprivileged. Washington, Peterson supposed. It was certainly the social brawl that had shown Lucille the way to anaesthetize herself against her disappointment. But Washington wasn't the only cause, not even the main one. It was him, Peterson accepted. He had allowed it to happen by imagining that examination results and Phi Beta Kappa keys meant adulthood. When they had needed him, he hadn't been available. He'd been at the headquarters at Langley, or the White House, or at the National Security Council, or in some embassy in some foreign capital, the dynamic chief of the world's most effective intelligence agency, not intelligent enough to realize the effect of his neglect on his family. Lucille whimpered in her sleep, a pained sob. She turned, thrusting the sheet away, and carefully Peterson covered her again. The movement caused his watch to show, warning him how soon his driver would be arriving. Because of the crisis, Peterson had ordered him an hour earlier than normal. He'd been awake before dawn, and wished now that he'd summon the car sooner. He was anxious to learn what had come in overnight. He went back to his own room to prepare himself. He frowned at the word, recognizing it as appropriate. That was what he did, prepared himself. Like an actor applying the makeup for a particular performance, James Peterson every day adopted the carefully rehearsed role. He chose a discreet tie to accompany the discreet suit, 
selected a matching shirt from among those still crisp in their laundry cellophane, and took from its accustomed drawer the duster specially placed there to give his already gleaming shoes a final buff. He surveyed the completed effect. Overall, it was one of competence. That's what he was, Peterson thought. Competent. Apart from Paul's occasional, slightly endangering outbursts in the Washington Post or the Star, the shambles of Peterson's personal life was carefully kept behind the triple-locked front door of the Georgetown Brownstone. Publicly, and that was what mattered in Washington, he was regarded throughout the capital as someone who had reorganized and run the CIA with a competence and ability far beyond that shown by at least three of the directors who had preceded him. Not once had he submitted a faulty foreign analysis to the President or the National Security Council. Not once had an operation been initiated or sanctioned and later become a diplomatic embarrassment.